to start today's show by saying hello to the many children who I assume are just home from school today in the province of Manitoba. I, I haven't seen, but I assume today has been declared a national holiday after the Winnipeg Jets mm. knock off the almighty Toronto Maple Leafs and the gap shrinks atop the North Division. So congratulations, Manitoba. It's probably still minus 20 there, getting ready for the mosquitoes as big as birds. You, you beat the Leafs once, despite... High danger shot attempts being 16 to 5 in favor of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But you have a Vesna caliber goaltender, so congratulations. Were you, are you now more or less afraid of the Jets and their ability to beat the Leafs in a playoff series? I mean, it's the same because that's exactly the formula. That's, that's it. It's be an inferior team, but get. Vesna caliber goaltender from the reigning Vesna champion and then have every mistake end up in the Toronto Maple Leafs net and then score on your power play opportunities. You're not going to outpossess them, outchance them through 60 minutes. It's getting those things done, which they did in one game. You got to do it 4 to 7. But yeah, that's 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 the fear going into the postseason. That's the the one way to my eyes that Things go absolutely pear-shaped. I like that Jets team. I liked them especially early on in the game. But then I thought, yeah, as it wore on, the Leafs just completely differentiated themselves. And I still haven't seen a team push them like Montreal has pushed them. Montreal, to me, still is, after those games, and maybe that changes after the next two, but so far, Montreal looks like the scariest team to Toronto, but Carey Price needs to play like Carey Price, or that also doesn't line up, because at this point, the goaltending between the two teams is not equal. It's not even. It doesn't resemble anything close. Freddie Anderson's way better than Carey Price is right now, but you're right. That's the same takeaway I had, which is, cool, you won. That doesn't seem like a sustainable way of winning against the Leafs. It doesn't seem like there's going to be too many games where Austin Matthews makes his worst play of the season, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't... And I guess he did have the two goals, but man, that, that hacky sack goal was... I, I still... I'll never understand what he was <laughs> thinking of doing on that Has play. anyone in the history of the National Hockey League blocked a shot like that or kicked a shot away from the net where it's coming in from the point and, like, you, you kick it up over the glass or stop it with your shin pad in midair? Like, it's never happened before, right? Like, I've never seen it. I can't think of one highlight where that's happened. There's no more frustrating goal for a goaltender than that one. A a guy not only standing in front of you and in your shooting, like, in your sight lines and then changing the goal and tipping it intentionally. Like, there's nothing worse than that for a goaltender. So... Yeah, it was a bad play, but he makes up for it with a couple of goals. But either way, and his tip on the other side, like I would argue that the tip that he scored with his skate was the nicest one of the game, even though he had a beauty to score the first goal. But yeah, it's it required some sloppiness on the Leafs' part, right? The bad change, the hacky sack goal. You wish your goalie comes up with one of the other three saves on the non-Matthews play. Again, it, there, it's really hard to find the one where you say, well, that's a bad goal on Freddie Anderson, but... You, you want him to come up with one of those big ones. Um, that was the difference between him and Hellebuck in that game, and you still want your guy to outplay the other guy, even though 
the other guy played extremely well. But yeah, I, I ne- not one point did I think, wow, I, I'm really afraid of the Jets for the Leafs. And I, I don't know how you could come away from that overly encouraged if you're a Jets fan. Like you could say, oh, we can beat them. Yeah. It just takes this to happen. It takes right. our goaltender making what thirty-seven saves. How many saves did Hellebuck have? It felt like thir- it felt like he had forty. And especially at the end of the game, Leafs are down two goals. There's two like they got the empty net, and I really thought they were going to tie it because they were just hammering them. And the Jets lose a defenseman, whatever. It just I, I didn't see the Jets' advantages play out in that game. I thought their top six was good. Uh, I'm I think Shifley is dangerous. I'm always going to be afraid of Pierre Luc Dubois, but. These two teams, it's just the gap between them feels massive. And I, again, I think it's only going to go get bigger as we get closer to the deadline, which could happen over the next couple of weeks when Toronto obviously adds. And I'm like, is Winnipeg going to add? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they've already made seemingly their big move. But the Leafs are not devoid of criticism in this game, right? Like you mentioned the Matthews play. The change was brutal. And this Sheldon Keefe after the game did talk about the fact that this team had really established winning habits especially for those three games against the Edmonton Oilers. And all of a sudden, it's not egregious, but that's one of the the big differences about this team is, like, there's no pizzas from the corner, right? Like, there's no Cody Cece, I don't know who I'm passing to. It's on your stick, and it's in the back of the net. The odd man rushes have gone down significantly. I think they're a top-five team in number of odd man rushes they've given up where they were a bottom-half of the team, a a bottom-half team in the NHL a season ago. Those things have been mitigated, but you mentioned the, the two goals. It's Austin Matthews kicking one into the top corner. It's a horrible change, and then it's Morgan Riley making an ill-advised cross-ice pass, which yeah. ends up in a turnover, and he gets turnstiled. So it's, yes, not all three of those mistakes, which are bad, pretty bad, but in mm-hmm. the normal course of a season, teams don't score on those things 100%, but this is what happens when you go through a slump. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are clearly going through a winning slump right now. Yeah, that's the thing, though. And, okay, there's there's two things about that. One, when you say they're not devoid of criticism, of course not. Uh, this is actually a bit of the fear, is that, and you have saw this before. This is a last year thing. I remember that game against the Florida Panthers specifically where they shut it down for two periods, and then they show up in the third and they win. There's this confidence with the group that they don't have to play a full 60 because mm-hmm. – them playing 45 is going to be enough, right? And during a regular season where they don't ultimately feel all that challenged, there is a little bit of, oh, man, are they going to fall asleep at the wheel at times? And could that manifest at some point closer to the end of the season and have a ripple effect into the playoffs, right? These are the things fans think about, of course. And because they're real, there is a potential for that. I just don't see the same lack of urgency for the same amount of stretches, right? Like, they're dominating most of that game. They make those couple of mistakes. There's no doubt. Like, the Matthews play is a brain fart. The change is a brain fart. Morgan Riley is good for at least one or two of those a game at this point. You're just basically accepting that's who Morgan Riley is, and he's going to do that to you. But the Leafs enforced, like, they forced their will onto Winnipeg in that game. They played the way I thought they wanted to play, and it wasn't the other way around. And normally you're used to a big team, a physical team like Winnipeg coming in and kind of pushing uh, the Leafs around, right? Historically, you thought, oh, wow, they're going to be able to impose their will. And again, it's why I'm a little bit more afraid of Montreal because we have seen Montreal play the way they want to play in games against the Leafs. They're the only team, I think, that's done that 
with some level of consistency. Winnipeg didn't do that. They were playing Toronto's game, and they were playing from behind, and they got some good goals. They scored once. The fourth goal is a spectacular one. It's like, wow, what a goal. They get the Matthews kick. They get the bad change. They get the Morgan Riley turnover. Like, I, I don't know, man. I just I, Matthews looked really healthy. Zach Hyman keeps doing things where I, I think he's new Gary Roberts, and... I, I don't know how you don't value him moving forward in a way where you're actually shuffling the deck chairs to make sure that you can fit him under a salary cap. I don't know what Zach Hyman could ask the Leafs now where I would say, well, that's ridiculous. Born to the exercise of if you had to give six and a half to one or the other of Riley or Hyman, I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's Zach Hyman. I don't know who's watching these games and thinks that Zach Hyman isn't one of the Leafs' best players. Like, every single night, He's driving a line with a couple mm-hmm. of mediocre guys. Like, Ilya Mikheyev, now he can't even score with wide-open oh. nets. It's getting oh to a whole goodness. other level of just That was bad. the worst of the season. But, there's, no, there's no question. Morgan Riley I mean, makes that yeah, incredible pass through the crease. Right. And I was like, that must have been deflected. Nope. Str- like, flat no, on the ice. I know. I thought the same thing. Yeah, no. I was like, how? How did you not? So, again, the sorcerer in Russia cackles again. Now, changing the parameters of the curse. I looked at that game as more positives than negatives. And, man, I'm as tortured of, as a fan of this team as I think they come. I just... I get worked up when they lose in bad ways. Man, when they lost that second game of the season to Ottawa, I was already saying, these guys, what the hell? You got one of this whole offseason and you come out of it and play this way? I, that loss was not a loss to me. Matthews looked healthy. Hyman was dominant. They're a couple of sloppy plays away from basically shutting that team down. And this is what I find frustrating. And this is why, again, there is a lot of pressure on Freddie Anderson is because this team in front of him is as good as it's ever going to be. And they played a pretty damn good game. And even the goals that they give up, short of the Matthews one, okay, did they put him in some bad positions? Okay, yeah, but guess what? Buddy, if they're going to win in the playoffs, you're going to have to make some really tough saves. And not that he hasn't throughout the regular season, but people are going to look for someone to blame. And it's very clear at this point that no one else is absorbing this like Freddie Anderson. That no one else is in the crosshairs the way that he is. There's like the William Nylander thing, and people are going to weirdly equate him as a Hall of Famer or as a duster. There seems to be no in-between, but it seems at least the discourse is getting better. Between my friends, between... On television, radio, podcasts, social media, everything. It seems a little bit more balanced. The Freddie Anderson thing has become this weird, every time the Leafs lose, it's a referendum on Freddie Anderson. Like, can another guy just not play better and you move along to the next night? I know we hyper-analyze these things. Like, you and I come on and do three hours every single day. So there's got to be things for people to talk about. But... I saw again the whole Freddie another time where he can't be the best goalie and the other goalie you wish he was the other one and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes the other goalie is just better and it doesn't mean your goalie is bad. I I don't understand this false equivalency that people keep making other than to say the Leafs are great. They play a game like that. You try to figure out why they lost, and it's just the easiest thing to do is to say, well, it's the goalie. And and I hate doing this, right? Like, I don't want to do this stuff, and I don't like coming off as the guy who is uh, potentially, like, not seeing Freddie Anderson's flaws. Like I said, I wish he made one of the three saves 
That was not the Matthews goal where he kicks it in the net. That one's just impossible. Again, if you've played hockey, if you've watched hockey, you know that that's the worst thing a guy can do to a goaltender. The other three, if he comes up with one of those, the Leafs have a tie game, they go into overtime, and they probably beat a team that that they were better than. I'll take it one step further, is that, I mean, and this is not, it should not be a shocking statement, Freddie Anderson's not as good as Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck just won a Vesna trophy. The Winnipeg right. Jets have the goaltending advantage. It's one of the few areas that they have the advantage, but if you were doing a playoff... area, the only you, area. If you were doing a matchup and you're doing those, you know, checks on on what you have that's better than the other team, it's like everything else, check, check, check on the Maple Leaf side of the ledger, except for goaltending. And it's close, but it's clearly one guy has won a Vesna, is the defending Vesna champion. The other guy's been a top five Vesna candidate. We've seen him go through stretches where, uh, man, that guy looks like the best goaltender in the NHL, has not strung it together for a full 82-game season or 60 starts or whatever, the majority of starts. But he's a good goalie. He's far above average. One team needs a Vesna caliber goaltender. One team's not supposed to, and not only is not supposed to need it, hasn't needed it this season. They've accumulated the best record in this division, and it was a runaway, despite now that it's the first time. By the way, was that shocking to you to learn that the that's the first time under Sheldon Keith they'd lost three in a row in regulation? Because I, I know, I guess it makes sense, and they'd lost three in a row, and they'd picked up points, and yeah, just the way the regular season was going before the stoppage and how mediocre the play was, it was kind of shocking to me. But yeah, that the Jets need goaltending to beat this team. The Toronto Maple Leafs aren't going to need Freddie Anderson to throw up a 950 save percentage over a seven-game series to get through the North Division. It'd be nice. It's possible, but they don't need it. And they didn't even need it in that game. Like, that no. was... You play that game 100 times, I think the Maple Leafs win 90 of them. Dude, and again, like... It's just weird how we allocate blame. I guess Matthews ends up as a plus one on the goal-scoring ledger, right? Because he took one off the board for their team by kicking it into the net. And he would admit the same thing. He'd be like, I don't know what the hell. You give him the truth juice, and he stands there, and he's like, I have no idea what I was thinking there. I just I had a brain fart. I had a moment where I saw it, I reacted to it, and it was dumb. Ilya Mikheyev, minus one. You had the – it's a goal. That's a goal right there. Morgan Riley, bad turnover, team, bad change. All of that stuff ends up going out the window, and you look at it and go, well, their goalie played better than ours, and so that's the reason why the Leafs lost, is that Freddie Anderson stinks? I, I don't understand how people come to these conclusions. It's just, it's very weird. Like, one of our colleagues was suggesting Jack Campbell should play game one of the playoffs yesterday. Like, that's how wild this stuff is getting. Like, it's that crazy of a weather vane stuff from game to game. So, no, I don't blame Freddie Anderson for that loss. I wish he made one. Uh, I don't think it's an issue. I think the Leafs are way better. I think the Jets are fine. Uh, I think they're just like in that same class as the Oilers this year. It's like the Oilers and Jets are fine. I think if the Leafs draw them in the in the postseason, it's going to be a five to six game series. I'm still the most afraid of the Habs. Let's. I, I'd love to see the Habs get knocked out of the playoffs. Like not from a fan slash aesthetic slash rivalry standpoint, but if I was just going purely on, hey, the best thing is for the Leafs to make a Eastern Conference Finals, then I would say the path includes somehow a first-round matchup versus Calgary and then a second-round matchup versus Edmonton. And then the next two teams you don't want to face go number one, 
Montreal, number two, Winnipeg. That's, that's the way I feel about it now, and that's the way that I'm trying to evaluate these things moving forward. Anyways, I want to quickly ask you a question about the Jays before we take a break and talk to Will Middlebrooks, unless you have something else on this game. No. I mean, I think we hit on it. I think they outplayed all yeah. three – in all three games, they outplayed all the, yeah. the teams that right. played in the losing streak. We've got CJ coming on. We're going to talk to him about this rapidly approaching deadline. Like, it's weird. Now it feels like the deadline is way before the deadline. Elliot says that, hey, this thing could materialize more quickly than we think. And now I'm very much on high alert of, oh, wow, Leafs could make a trade over the next, I don't know, week, two weeks. I wonder how the timing is working about it. But it seems like it's coming. Was it after the third game of the Oilers series that CJ called the Leafs a juggernaut? Or was it after the second game? Either way, it hasn't gone well since he did it. And he called I, the Leafs a juggernaut? I thought that was the Habs he called a juggernaut, and then the yeah, Habs fired their coach. You're terminally online, and you didn't... Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was the narrative going into him being forced into saying it about the Leafs, yeah. and I don't think they've won since. Yeah. Uh, Chris Johnson... CJ, say, say the Jets are a juggernaut. No way. No <laughs> way. Oh, you... But, but I, I will say this. Everyone on hockey Twitter that actually thinks this matters in terms of, you know, me putting a jinx on them, they're getting what they deserve here. Because on February 2nd, when I tweeted that the Habs, you know, looked like a juggernaut, I actually believed it. And then for every single Leafs game between February 2nd and I think it was March 3rd, uh, whenever the Leafs won, my mentions are full of people saying, well, what do you think about the Leafs? What do you think about the Leafs? So then I finally say after they finish that 13-1 and uh, thirteen to one victory over three games against Edmonton. You know that they look like a juggernaut to satisfy all the people asking. And now they're now they're saying I put some some hex on the world. So those people got what they asked for. I've got the receipts. And let's face it, none of this really matters. Um, it doesn't. But please don't ever say Bitcoin is a juggernaut. Okay, just don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it actually don't. is, man. We're going. Oh! Why did you, I, as soon as you said it, I knew he was going to do that. And why oh. did you do it? You're the worst. Oh, I. Oh, it's going to be. Well, it's first of all, it's because I'm not superstitious, and secondly, we're going to have a Bitcoin all-time high today. So let, let's keep it going. Goodbye, CJ. Yeah, I'm not. You're talking to the two superstitious guys. No, me, I am. I'm stupid stitious. I'm I'm stupid superstitious. Like I'm the stupidest of the superstitious. It's not that I'm not superstitious. It's that I do believe there's little things around the edges that can impact. Mm. Like it's not the reason why something <laughs> would happen, but it's not good. And you don't well, want to get too. It. You don't want to. You don't ever want to have hubris. That's all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now you. I'm terrified. Thank you, CJ. Yeah. Thanks. Well done. Yeah. No. Good job. <laughs> okay. So. I, I've just, I've just sewered your kids' uh, financial yeah, plan. I know, uh, honestly, that's fine. right. I, it's, it's I'll, okay. I'll Ben's just going to go to his kids. He's going to go to his kids one day and be like, the reason why we don't have anything and there's no Christmas is because of a man named CJ. And this is a picture of him that we throw darts at. So Elliot's thinking that the trade deadline is going to shape up sooner rather than later because of the time off for the Leafs. What do you, what do you think the timeline is here? How, how aggressive do you think the front office is right now looking at targets? Well, I think what Elliot's done a good job of sketching out is, you know, what probably works best for the Leafs uh, because they, they do play very few games in the next two weeks relative to how busy the schedule has been and will continue to be beyond that. 
And so if you do have to have players serving a quarantine, it only stands to reason. It would be better to have them miss fewer games while doing so and, and get a chance to get in your lineup with more time left in the regular season. You know, it makes sense. And, and you know, I'm sure that that would be the, the sort of, you know, perfect scenario for Kyle Dubas in the front office of the team. But, you know, I'm not sure that's going to work as much for the, the teams they're dealing with. And, you know, we, we start to have some sense, I think, of how this market's taking shape in terms of, you know, there's a few teams that are very clearly sellers and have some, you know, intriguing assets. Um, you know, I don't really think there's actually that many buyers at the moment because, you know, if we look around the league at, at the teams that, uh, you know, we might identify as contenders, of which I, I put Toronto clearly in that class, you know, th- there's not a lot of cap space to go around among those teams. You know, Vegas, Tampa, you know, the, these teams are, are barely under, you know, they're, they're all in long-term injured reserve, so they're over the cap technically, and, and they, they don't really have a lot of accumulated space. And so, you know, I think it's going to be hard for Buffalo, say, to move Taylor Hall this year. You know, nothing, I, that, that's no comment on, on even the season he's having, and obviously it hasn't gone as well as here the team would like so far, but, you know, with an $8 million cap hit, even if they're eating 50%, there's really only a limited number of places where that trade would make sense, where he'd move his no-move clause to make it happen. And so I think it, it could still, even though the Leafs, it's a long way of saying, even though the Leafs might want to get something done quickly, I, I, you know, I do think there's a distinct possibility that because the market hasn't fully taken shape, it you know, might not happen here in the next week or so. Well, that's why it seems like, one, Alex Kerfoot has to be the guy that goes. It just makes sense from a salary out perspective. And two, that they're only going to be able to make one move, and they're going to have to make one decision. Is it a winger? Is it a center? Or is it a defenseman? Because now these names are starting to leak out, the Matthias Eckholms and the Mark Stahls of the world. Like, what, what do you make of – and I get it. You can never have too many – you want to add to an area of strength that's not a – bad idea but if you only have one move to make that that's a bit of a head scratcher to me that they would go out and get a left shot defenseman well i'd caution you against saying that there's only one move because you know well i you know i'm not throwing any names out here because you know i don't have any specific intel i mean if they make a larger trade if they trade another established member of the team that that makes salary i mean that there might be opportunities there to do more than just you know, add, you know, a player say that's on an expiring contract, you know, this is, this is a unique opportunity, I think, because there isn't a huge seller's market because the Leafs are one of the very few organizations in hockey that are weathering the pandemic and still able to spend money. And I think that they're highly incentivized given how many years deep they are into, you know, building around this team, you know, into their, their rebuild. Obviously they've built up now. They're one of the best teams in the league. And so, you know, I think that, that making a bold move to get them over the top is not out of the realm of possibility. And, and so, yes, they're not in a position to just add players without subtracting, but given the, the unique circumstances, you know, I don't think we can entirely rule out a, a bolder play here uh, because I think it's time to be bold. I think it's, you know, it might not be DeRozan uh, for Kawhi Leonard bold, but, but I, I do think that there's an opportunity for them to, to do something pretty big in, in the next few weeks. Yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, you you didn't mention names, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking at cap friendly in front of me. Like, there's uh, honestly, again, I don't want to put put you in a, a situation where you're radio. There's like literally one other guy that m- makes sense, that makes money, and it's it's William Nylander, right? Like, and I don't imagine you're touching this defense core, or unless you're like Freddie Anderson. But who's like you're gonna give up a, a rental goalie to some team that's also subtracting pieces? Like, I I don't un- yeah. For it to be more than one piece coming in, doesn't it also have to be William Nylander going the other way? 
I don't think it has to be. Um, you know, I, I'm of the mind that I don't think I, I'm look at. I'm firmly since this is a divisive topic in the city and in the media market. I'm firmly on the pro Nylander camp. You know, I, I think that he delivers outstanding value for his contract. Um, you know, I, I think that that his lack of competition, well, you know, maybe not at the level Sheldon Keefe would like, and obviously he's spoken openly about that, is still probably overstated. You know, the way the discussion around the team, you know, from afar is is. You know, I, I don't. Anyway, I, I think that having him for what three more years beyond this one at a little under seven million dollar cap hit, given the production that he uh, that that he's generated, given the way that if you look at you know his his line mates all have way better underlying numbers when they play with him. Um, you know, I, I don't think that that makes sense because, I, you know, I think that he can be a part of what they're doing. But, you know, there's other older players. You know, I, I'm, I'm not – I'm intentionally staying away from mentioning names because, again, this is me putting two and two together and seeing the opportunity on the horizon. But, you know, it's not as though anyone in the front office has started whispering, we're trading this guy or that guy. I just – I do think that there there's a chance to, to do something bigger than just bring in, you know, a third-line center that's on an expiring deal. Yeah, and okay. We won't name names who could be going out. I think that obviously they'd love to dump Kerfoot if they're going to try and add somebody that that $3.5 million, if they can get off of that, it makes the most sense. But just in terms of them targeting guys, how much is it going to take in order for teams to kind of eat money this year? Like, are, are I would imagine that that's going to be the thing that the Leafs try and target the most is that they're going to say, listen, if we're all in and we're trying to do something splashy, we'll reach deep into the, the reservoirs and make sure that you eat rather than try to move pieces off the roster. Like, they're not trading William Nylander. I mean, if they do, that would be the most shocking thing I could ever imagine considering what he brings to the team. Like, Ben said it. Like, the impact guys, I can't imagine going anywhere. But what's going to be the price of acquisition for, hey, please eat some of this money so we can fit this in and make this work? Well, it's going to be draft picks, I would think, uh, potentially prospects, uh, but, but probably more likely draft pick capital. You know, what it might require is a third team to be involved in a transaction. You know, kind of the, the way actually the Leafs uh, were last year. Robin Leonard at the trade deadline was actually traded from Chicago to Toronto, then Toronto to Vegas. The Leafs ate money and got, a, I think, a fifth-round pick for that. Um, you know, that might be the kind of thing that, that has to be introduced here, depending on a team's financial situation. Um, but you're right. The, the Leafs will be looking for teams to do that because they really only have so much salary to shed. Uh, you know, Kerfoot is the natural name because potentially the kind of player you're bringing in might replace what he does. And, you know, three and a half million is, is a significant amount, both for this season and the future seasons, uh, the two more he's got on his deal. Uh, you know, I, I think you could also see them potentially trade, you know, one of these depth players, whether it's a Jimmy Vesey or someone just, just to make the, the dollars fit a little bit more. But look, there, there's not a, there's not a lot of room there for, um, you know, moving guys out. I, I just think that this, look, the, the Canadian division, despite this, this recent three-game losing streak, despite last night's loss, all those things, I mean, if we look at the big picture, the Leafs are still, I think, the strongest team in the division. Uh, that gives them a great path potentially to a conference final. But, you know, at that point, they're eventually going to meet at Tampa. And right now, I think Tampa's a better team. And they don't even, they're not even playing with, with Kucherov at the moment. He's still recovering right. from an injury. So, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of incentive given this unique season and, and where the Leafs sit that, that, you know, to really push the chips in and try to be bold. Yeah. And it's basically been what we've been talking about 
for the last two weeks. Like, you don't want to put the cart before the horse. And Ben said the risk of being with too much hubris, whatever. I, I've seen all I need to see from the Leafs to know that they're the best team in this division. And not even a sweep to Winnipeg would change my mind about that. Like, they're in an all-in year. And this is the best chance, I said it, this is the best chance this team's ever going to have at winning a Stanley Cup, period. There's never going to be a year like this ever, 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 ever again. It is special. And so there's this immense amount of pressure on the front office to say, hey, um, you want to build for success year over year over year, but uh, I do think that this year in this market, there are some extenuating circumstances. So everything should be on the table. Kyle Dubas should be ready to move basically anybody that doesn't impact this roster this season for things of real significant consequence. But as of right now, there's two names that we know are likely to be moved that move the needle in that way, right? One is Taylor Hall and one is Philip Forsberg. And both those guys, uh, yeah, I think if you're the Leafs, there's obviously reasons to go and get them both. Obviously, one I'm a lot more bullish on. So this is a two-parter. One, do you think that the Leafs are targeting either of those two guys? And two, is there a name out there right now that we're not seeing, that we're not hearing, that they would very, very much covet? Well, I mean, I don't know that they're targeting them, but obviously, you know, because they so neatly fit what they need, I think Colin Forsberg would would be players that they're monitoring pretty closely. I mean, it, it's it's clear they've had discussions with Nashville. You know, Michael Granlin, uh, you know, I think with good reason has been linked to the Leafs as a potential target. You know, Forsberg is getting into a different conversation. I think what's interesting about him is it, it fits kind of the Jake Muzzin mold and that, you know, he's got one more year beyond this one on his contract. You know, a great, um, you know, offense-producing left winger clearly could play with any of the Leafs' top players on, on either of their top two lines without, you know, with, with bringing his own, without being having to be carried by those guys. Um, you know, I think that's pretty enticing at this stage of their development. Uh, you know, Hall, I think, Hall is interesting. You know, he's been, he's kind of like this, the, the hockey nomad, right, since winning his heart trophy. He was gone from New Jersey to Arizona. Kind of a weird free agency year. Probably not his fault that the pandemic ends up with that one-year contract in Buffalo. You know, I, I get that he's certainly not at his peak value in terms of the way everyone looks at him, but, you know, he does own a house in Toronto. Like, would he ever come here as part of a deal and think about signing, a, you know, maybe a, a more value-friendly contract for the team? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that, but you know, that might be worth exploring if, if they do get, get into some kind of trade discussions with Buffalo and maybe get some permission to talk to him. Um, you know, those guys fit a, a certain need of the moment. Uh, you know, I think that there's the players, you know, some of the, the, the murmurs out there, like someone like Alex Iafalo in, in L.A., you know, I've, I've heard some discussion leaf showing interest in him. I mean, look, they're, they're, if, if there's a player on a team that's clearly going to miss the playoffs or, or is on an expiring deal as Iafalo is, that, that could fit their needs. I think the Leafs have, have started doing their due diligence and, and had some conversations and, you know, sketching out, you know, what the acquisition cost might be and all those things on those players. You know, I, I don't know that there's a surprise coming, though. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a name you haven't really heard. I mean, look, there's been so many names tied to the Leafs. I, you know, I don't think that there's the secret player out there that they're not at least considering. But, you know, it would be it would be very – to me, the bold play is, is getting someone like a Hall or a Forsberg. You know, someone yeah. – not just because of their name value. I think someone that, that clearly bolsters their top six, probably drops Joe Thornton lower in the lineup – uh, or at least, I guess, guarantees that Zach Hyman's, you know, staying on a third line when when you have the best, healthiest version of this team. Um, 
you know, I, I think that that's the kind of move that is, you know, people should get excited about. I don't think we're talking about anything bigger scale than that. Yeah, the Hall one is super interesting, and we, we, we've talked about it the last couple of days, and we've talked about it with guys that have played in the league, like Sean O'Brien, who know him personally, and, yeah, the, the conversations around those people, and obviously the Oilers felt a little bit about this, that it was not a guy that necessarily made their team better. Yeah, they they liked Adam Larson, no doubt. But Yeah, I didn't. Much... I, look, at, I grew up with Shane, actually, strangely enough. I, I respect his opinion, but come on. Like, I, I just saw the Instagram of what he said, the, the clip on your show, but like I think it's crazy town to say that he wouldn't help this team. I mean, he doesn't. He he would. He only has to be their fourth or fifth best forward, and he's helping. You know, like I, no one's asking him to carry them to a cup. I think in a support position. I mean, th- this lineup would be insane if they got him. Yeah, so, that's not a conversation not that's sold. happening in, in the front office. Then, like that is is that like a fan speak type of thing? Because there is. Uh, seemingly at least a bit of a shift when it comes to Kyle Dubas's decision-making going out and getting veterans and not necessarily the guys with the the numbers to, to back up their performance, guys that are, you know, beyond that or things that maybe you can't necessarily quantify. Is is that a conversation you think they have at all about Taylor Hall? I'm, I'm sure it's part of it, but, you know, like he won the Hart Trophy what, two years ago because he basically single-handedly took New Jersey to the playoffs. I think he had 40 more points than his next yeah. best teammate. Um, you know, I get that it, it hasn't looked good over 25 games in Buffalo, but, uh, and, and look, it didn't go well in Arizona. You know, I'm not looking, trying to make excuses for him, but I, I still don't think he's that old. Uh, he skates well, and you put him on this kind of team, maybe in a better environment. I mean, if, if you've ever had to go to work when everything sucks, I mean, that's what it's like to be a Sabre right now. I mean, no, no one feels good there, right? It's been years and years of losing. Like, their media is eviscerating them. You know, I was on the Zoom call with Kevin Adams last Friday. I almost felt bad for the guy, honestly. And and I know it's part of the job, but like it's to 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 call that that environment toxic right now would be understating it. And so, you know, I think that you'd have to look at any player, you know, playing there and, and wonder, you know, how much are they affected by that? And so, yes, if I think if you got Taylor Hall right now, to me, I just don't know how the Leafs fit it. Honestly, I think that that's maybe the under discussed part of this. You know, I, I've seen people try to do the gymnastics and say get down to the 20-man roster, and you know you're shedding probably Kerfoot in that deal. But I, I still don't know if it all all the numbers work, and so uh, it's going to require some creativity. But if they could do it, I think it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, man. Okay, so Hall is two million more bucks than uh, Forsberg, I think. That's just off the top yes. of my head. Yeah, I think Hall is eight. eight. Yeah. yeah, right. But and you can I think eat 50% of it. So, um. That's the thing. Kerfoot doesn't even get you to 50%. I, I would think that this is where I'm at with Taylor Hall. If the price of acquisition for him is high, then I'm just saying put all your eggs into the Forsberg basket. If he's ready to go, if you can get that done, then I think that's the way you go. Like It makes more sense from a money standpoint. He's the more talented player, in my opinion. He's the more reliable player, in my opinion. He comes with the less lace question marks. So it, that's where I'm at. If the Leafs go out and get Taylor Hall and they get him for some type of a discounted rate because of the – he's got a no-move clause too, right? Correct. Taylor Hall? He does. Right. He does. Right. If they get I him I can't imagine a, he's not waving a toe to come here right now. You 
don't think he would waive it? Oh, you're saying no, of sorry, course no, he would. I, no, I'm saying like I don't think there's any question he would waive it. Oh, okay, right, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. If they can get him on a discounted rate because he goes, listen, I want to be in Toronto and I'm only waving to a couple of places and Toronto's one of them and Buffalo's forced to deal him and take something back for that asset after giving him, you know, paying him out most of this money, of course you do it. Of course. Listen, there's just no-brainer, like you said. No-brainer. Of course you gamble on that talent, especially considering you don't have to ride or die with Taylor Hall. Your Stanley Cup is not coming down to Taylor Hall. He's just a bonus. It's just that, yeah, I, I like Forsberg more. And I think that if you're paying a price and you're going all in and you're saying, hey, we got to give up Kerfoot, we got to maybe give up Engvall or somebody to make this contract work, and then you're dipping into the Rasmus Sandin slash Nick Robertson slash first round picks pile, I would just rather do that for Forsberg. That's just where I'm at with it. That makes sense. And look, we're in we're in the area where truth is a very relative matter in, in NHL circles because we're close enough to the deadline. But you know, David Poyle did do an interview yesterday in Nashville where he said Forsberg isn't on the table. So right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, but like we'll see because obviously they have to pull the they're they're pulling the walls down there. That's that's going to be a rebuild at some point. And mm-hmm. you know, he's the one asset. This is the time to move him if you're in your mind that you're you got to move him um, because you you are selling him to a team that gets two playoff runs out of them and, and you get into next year and, and it's just a diminishing return. Yeah, and there's the cap implications for years to come, but not unlike the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones with Dak Prescott and that contract and people wondering about whether he knows something about the cap and that sport and about the incoming TV deal. I wonder if you, breaker of, of stories about this ESPN thing, like do you have any indication of what that might do to the salary cap? I don't really have a clear picture of that. And the big reason of it is that, you know, this deal is only partly done. You know, the the ESPN element is now in place for seven years, but the, the second TV deal, you know, is absolutely not even close to being finalized or not. It's, it's not like it's coming next week, I don't think, unless this announcement really spurs the change in the way those talks have gone. There's also going to be another streaming partnership. And so with the financials of, of that, component you know basically the other half or maybe slightly less than half still to come out and and uh with the sbn number still being you know pretty veiled uh, i would think because it would impact perhaps how how the other aspect of this goes um you know i I don't have a full picture on that yet but you know this this is proven from what i can gather to be a, a difficult time which should be no surprise to us given the pandemic and everything to to make these kind of deals you know it's it it's not the best timing for the league. The NFL's been out there lining up media deals, which obviously, you know, take on, you know, a major priority for, for the same types of companies that the league's talking to. But, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm, I think, around this ESPN announcement just because the NHL feels it will get them some, you know, it's going to it's gonna give them a little bit more relevancy in, in the, the day-to-day sports conversation in the U.S., which I don't think, you know, that doesn't impact the salary cap, obviously, which is was your question, but I think might might help us for future business down the road. Yeah. Um, here's what I know. Maybe it doesn't have an immediate direct impact on the cap, but it's not going to hurt it. Like Being on ESPN isn't going to hurt you. And being on a spot where, yeah, like if you just look at, I guess what the UFC has done for ESPN, but also what the ESPN has done for the UFC, I, I would say it's been a, a really beneficial relationship in that it co- it can probably be the same for the NHL moving forward. So, and plus more jobs, more like it's just it's good all around. The high yeah, having deal, two having two partners or three partners down there is going to be good. I think. Yeah, man. Exactly. More is better. 
Uh, last thing before you go, man. Zach Hyman. It's becoming more and more a story about what this guy is doing this year. And, like, I, I, I'm getting super hot takey with it. Like, I don't think that there's – I don't think that there's four forwards on the Leafs that have a bigger impact than him. Let's just put it that way. I don't think that if you're planning your future that you prioritize anyone over him that does not have a contract beyond next season. That's how serious it is with this guy, for me anyways. I just I look at him now driving this line with what are pretty mediocre players. Like We can debate and discuss Ilya Mikheyev and Pierre Engvall we want. I don't think anybody thinks that they're the reason that that line is having success. It's Zach Hyman. Everyone has pointed to this thing of, well, maybe he's the guy to take a hometown discount, but what exact reason do we have for that? Like, What have you heard about what Hyman's camp, if anything, is looking for? How do you think that this thing is going to break down given all of the parameters around the cap and the pandemic and this team's salary structure? What do you think how happens with Hyman? How does this play out? Well, I know until very recently there there'd been no discussions at all about an extension. Now, you know, that might have changed here in the very recent past, but I'm not aware of it if it has. And so it's it's a bit of a mystery, honestly, uh, how this is going to play out because I I don't think that the Leafs have have really engaged, you know, the Hyman camp too much. I don't think that they've really exchanged positions. I mean, obviously, I think we can guess Zach Hyman's probably getting paid over $5 million on this next deal. And he's probably getting some term on it, you know, even though he's coming up to his, his late twenties here, um, you know, whether that's in trial or not, I, I really, it's, it's too soon for me to even give you an educated guess. I, I know for certain of other teams that are very um, interested in Zach that, that, you know, are, you know, it's cause teams, you know, there's, there's work being done now on salary cap or sorry, on, on the trade deadline, but, but teams are already thinking about the summer. And, and I know of a couple teams for sure that, that would love to get a chance to talk to him if he remains unsigned in, into July you know, 21st or whatever day it's free agency again. Um, so, you know, it's going to be an interesting one to play out. I think your, your assessment is bang on. He's a driver for the team. You know, the Leafs love him, but that, that isn't the question. It's do they love him enough to, stretch their cap even further by signing another forward into an uncomfortable range. And I think that that's probably what it's going to cost, you know, other than the fact this is his hometown, you know, I, I don't think it's reasonable to expect they'll be giving too much of a discount because this is going to be probably the, the richest contract he signs in his, his NHL career, maybe his life, you know, because I do think you're probably talking a five or six year deal in free agency that starts with a five. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's got to make a decision for his family too. And, you know, he's given a lot to the organization. So as much as I'm sure he understands the, the tough position they're in, you know, it could be a, it, there could be an impasse ultimately when they do get down to numbers and all those types of things, just because, uh, you know, it might not line up what, what he needs to make and what they can afford to pay him at this point in time. Dude, I'd give him five million bucks alone for that end-to-end rush yesterday. That's, that was a $5 million play. That was ridiculous. That's Zach Hyman. That's, that's what he does this year. And I have to say this, like I have, utmost respect for Zach just a super guy great player you know he's you know he's the way he's built his career up is is really impressive but this is where it gets tough I think in team building is these decisions are the ones that that really matter you know how long you feel he can produce like this be a driver of a line I mean he's doing it today but if you sign him to a six-year deal or five-year deal can he can he do it throughout that I mean this this is where it's really tough to extend a winning window and where we've seen other teams make mistakes not to say he won't be able to do it but when you get into your 30s, you know, we've seen a lot of players have decline, and, and that's that's part of what, you know, has to be decided here. CJ, 
we love everything about talking to you other than when you put the uh, the hex on Bitcoin, which we are so heavily leveraged into that that's uh, it's troublesome. For Gentlemen, us. check the tape. I didn't use the J word there. I just agreed with you. Did. Yeah. The, <laughs> you like literally know. did. No, I didn't. Check the tape, guys. I didn't we use it with that. Yeah, checking okay. the tape We're during the break. Uh, during the break, uh, checking of the tape on CJ. Good stuff, buddy. Go Bitcoin. Okay, boys. Be well. See you, man. See ya. Chris Johnson. The NHL on Sportsnet. Uh, yeah. It says juggernaut with reckless abandon, which is fine. Yeah, man, I, I went on this radio station over the weekend and said I'd be the worst negotiator ever against Zach Hyman. Like, I would just – I'd be so bad at it because I think he's so critically important to this team. And it's not just the numbers. And it's like even if his hands were similar to what we've seen throughout his Maple Leafs career – uh, he's a guy you can't afford to lose. And now that he might have this extra offensive confidence, capability, you can't afford to lose him. Mm-hmm. I don't like the whole, like, what player is more important than what player conversation because of where it goes, which is, well, then you hate this player, or then you're an idiot, or this. Like, right? I don't find it generally leads to productive secondary conversations. But I truly do believe that Zach Hyman's one of this team's most important players. And no, it's not because he hits, it's because he does everything. And I'm sorry, but this is a sport where. Doing everything matters a lot. And I know that Zach Hyman doesn't need to score to have a massive impact on the game. I know he doesn't need to hit. I know he doesn't need to play. Like, Dude, he just does everything that you want in a hockey player. And the thing that CJ said about other teams looking at him and coveting him and being like, of course, because how many guys are like that in the league? How many nights do you watch a team and say they have Zach Hyman? Like... Look at all the praise that Matthew Kachuk has gotten over his career, right? Mm -hmm. Because why? Because he's a pest. Because he plays hard. Because he's in on the forecheck. Because he bothers other guys on other teams. I mean, it seems at least a little bit like he's rubbed his teammates the wrong way. They had to have a meeting about it. They had to talk about it. And do I think he's a better player? Yeah. Do I think Hyman's going to score 34 goals in the league? No, but... What were we saying just like during that season with Kachuk, right? It's like, oh, you do anything to get a player like that. You do anything to get a player like that. I don't think that the gap between them is like that massive. I just don't. I, I like I, on a team like Toronto's where there are a lot of guys who do similar things, having someone like Zach Hyman has an added value that if he played on a different team, it would like there'd be some teams that would covet certain players on this group much higher than Hyman. Oh, dude! Beca- like, look at the Montreal Canadiens. Would they right. love a William Nylander type more than maybe even this Leafs team? That's like, a great example. An, an elite level scorer who yep. he st- I still fits this Leafs team, obviously, but somebody who can join a team that's yeah, they're rough and tumble and they got a lot of heart and blah 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 totally. blah blah. But it lacks that top end elite talent. Exactly. That's exactly it. And I just think that Zach Hyman is closer to that top-end elite talent and maybe that 
we're starting to realize all of that because of some of the scoring he's had this year, but that really it's been there all along. There's a reason why all the coaching staffs love him. There's a reason why they put him down on that third line to all of a sudden balance the scoring, and there's a reason why all of a sudden it's working. You know, like Leafs have never had a third line like this since Kadri left, right? That yeah. there's nothing been like this, and it's with Pierre freaking Envall and Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah, well, and to that point, is the scoring is really it's not that different. The rate of scoring is not that different than it was a year ago. Like he just looks like a different player offensively, but it's not. It's basically the same. But when CJ talks about how players will age and buying seasons into their age 30 and beyond Mm -hmm. seasons that the scoring is a bonus with Zach Hyman, right? Like, do I expect him to like Mm -hmm. once a week go end to end and create a goal all by himself? Uh Uh-uh. What I expect him to do is the thing that he's done since he put on a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform is play the absolute hardest of anybody on the ice, be a disruptor, play in all situations now on the power play as well be a a guy that wins every single puck battle and not exactly the fastest guy in the National Hockey League. So yeah, he loses a bit of foot speed. What I don't think he's going to lose is the thing that is unquantifiable with him that has made him a fan favorite and one of the most valuable players on this team. Like I think he still ages well, even beyond 30. I agree. And I love him. And he writes children's books. Or is he still doing that? Or is that done? Not sure. Okay. <laughs> I think Mike Babcock's done doing media. I, mean, I think he's done one. So, like, are you not doing them? It's like, is you have to keep writing more? I don't know. Yeah, you can. If you write one children's book, are you? I guess you are a children's book author for the rest of your life. I mean, you're not, you're not Robert Munch one. or anything like that. But oh, I thought you were going. I'm say always actually can't afraid. Be named now. I was going to say, is Robert Munch on the cancel list? It's like, are no. there any authors from our childhood? It's like. <laughs> What childhood author are you allowed to say now? I honestly None. said that. I was like, I was like, Robert Munch is probably on the canceled list oh, too, right? Like, what did he Fred do? Fred Penner, like, they're all, yeah, they're, they've started their own little commune somewhere. Yeah. Uh, was Love You Forever actually Yo, something? Buddy, that, yeah. Yeah. You can't love yeah. someone forever. Forever? Even yeah. if they do egregious things? No, man. There are bounds to my love. Yeah. I won't just unconditionally love anything. Yeah. There are things my children can do that will eliminate them from my circle of love. Anyways. I'm saying you can't you can't like JK Rowling. You can't read that. You can't do uh, can't even say her name. Use Dr. Seuss. Dr. Just Seuss, Dr. JK Rowling. Uh and is Munch? Is Munch out? No, <laughs> or, or, has Munch been know? crunched? I don't know. I'll just have to I hate laughing at that if it is in fact true, but did you know? Before we go to break. I know. I, we're going to log off here, and people are like, yeah, I can't believe you guys brought up Robert Munch. Um, yeah, we're offended. Really... Uh, uh, we... did, did you know that Dr. Seuss, the correct pronunciation of his name is Dr. Seuss? Yeah, I don't care, nerd. It's just Dr. Seuss. Everyone says Dr. Seuss. Well, that's rude. Yeah, why, why is that rude? Because you called me a nerd. I yeah, oh that, oh, that part? Oh, I don't apologize for the that. The rude part. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking no, about? I, I don't think I was... Uh... Yeah, someone tell me if Robert Munch is cancelled, and I will issue my apology for referencing Robert Munch on the other side of the break. Sorry for uh, triggering and not issuing the trigger warning. Sun shining. All the snow in my backyard's melting, revealing all the the dog feces. Feeling better, I'm going to go outside. 
and I'm going to talk to Colby Armstrong, who's on the line right now. What's going on, Colby? What's going on, guys? Great tune. How about that thing I texted you guys? Of the, um, I believe his name is Damien Robitaille on Twitter, and he makes like his own songs. That was pretty good, hey? It was this song. That was, it was awesome. Good. Really Check it good. out. You're all over music Twitter, like funny music Twitter, eh? That's what gets you going. Yeah, it's like my weird thing with like Weird Al Yankovic, I guess maybe oh, when I was yeah. a kid. Were you guys into Weird Al? <laughs> Body, of course. you just tapped right into my heart. Like I follow him on all <laughs> avenues of social media. Like of course I'm into Weird Al Yankovic. Like I, I worship at the altar of Weird Al freaking Yankovic. Are you insane? Boys, I didn't even I know, know that he was parodies. I love that guy. Me neither. <laughs> you like, did? Well, not when I was a little kid. It was like one of the first yeah. tapes I yeah. had, and it was "Don't go making uh, phony calls." Remember that one? <laughs> yeah. It was the <laughs> and it smells like one. Nirvana. I was like, "That's, That's a what sweet I mean. song." Dude, I would hear those songs, and I thought to myself at, like, age six or seven on my Walkman, this is the greatest songwriter who ever lived. Like, as if this guy has not only mastered the art of lyrics, but also... Uh, obviously the best songwriter ever. I'm at, like, imagine my little pea brain thinking that all these hits, all these songs, he's composing yeah. them, just making them out. There. Incredible stuff, Weird Al. <laughs> Gangster's Paradise? Yeah. What, was the, what was the version of Gangster's Paradise? Because that one was on butter the... once or twice, yeah. living <laughs> in an Amish <laughs> paradise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Living so in Amish paradise. That the one was video, a banger. The music videos were unreal, yeah. too. Oh, like, he was really one, good yeah. at the music videos. Yeah. Dude, but yeah, maybe incredible that's... singer. He, he actually yeah, he incredible really vo- yeah. vocalist. Yeah. So my mom, my mom knows that I like. Obviously, I loved Weird Al as a kid. Like your guys' yeah. parents probably knew as well, and everyone else. But um, he yeah. came out with like another one out of nowhere. Like Weird Al hasn't appeared in forever, and then he came out with like some political one, like a, oh, like maybe a year ago. Yeah, and my mom Miranda. like emailed it. My mom like emailed it to me, and I'm like, "Oh my god, he's back! Let's go!" <laughs> <laughs> emailed it to you. Boys, boys, uh, I think what we've all come to the conclusion of today is that when the pandy is over, when we're done with this, we're all going to see Weird Al somewhere. Maybe in <laughs> yeah. Pittsburgh. Maybe in Toronto. Whoever gets Weird Al first, that's what we're doing. We're going to Weird Al together. Yeah. We're going to Weird Al and Colby's paying. Awesome. Perfect. You guys can stay at my place. Let's go. Thanks, what? Thanks. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. Yeah, we'll stay in your studio room. All right? Like we're on the cameras here. Make sure we don't steal anything. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, brutal internet in there, but yeah, you guys can stay. No worries. (laughs) That's a good spot to set up your home studio from the room with the brutal internet. It's been a grind. It's been a grind, guys. I'm not going to lie. It is, uh, some of the more stressful uh, weeks of my life have just happened just because of just, like, work stress and just uh, tech stuff and internet and home studio stuff. Uh, and then it, like, compounds into, um, you know, I've had a few calls also, like, locally here in Pittsburgh with radio as well talking ho- penguins and hockey and like they're like we've got a bad signal i'm like well, i'm like what is going on i'm just like I, i'm about to throw my phone and i just it's crazy so i've had a bad string we hopefully have got it straightened out but um yeah it's been it's been interesting it's been interesting we just talked to cj all you got to do is avoid the word you calling anything a, a juggernaut we now call it the j word <laughs> 
and it's yeah. all good, you know, as long as you don't say yeah. that, My you know, Colby Armstrong. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't even that, even joking using the J word no, is kind of joke. risky. I don't yeah. know, man. You should like, should you joke using that word? It's controversial. Did he not, <laughs> did he not make money for charity, though? Yes, he did. Well, yeah. I think he followed, yeah. followed Does that, that make everyone that. okay? Whoever raises money for charity is just an okay guy? <laughs> is that how this works now? Well, well no. Now they now that they've got the tweet, they can now delete the tweet, and so it's That's like it. it never happened, right? So it's like right. everything's the, yeah. the world is back again. Yeah. You, know? you should think about selling a couple of your tweets. A couple yeah. of those beauties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh. All the hearts. All the hearts. <laughs> yeah, the hearts. You should, yeah, you should sell likes. Yeah. Yeah, you know those. So Twitter has this new function. I don't even know how it works yet, but the super followers, yeah. where you can pay money yeah. to be a super follower. I'd love to see what your super oh. followers look like. People would tweet at you, and you'd go, "You're a beauty!" Ha ha ha! And that's it. That's what you pay your money for. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for the, thanks for the money, you beauty! Ha 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 ha! <laughs> My internet that works. You guys are good. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Help me pay for better internet, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So good. So good. Okay. So uh, (laughs) I shot you uh, a text last night, as I will do before you come on the show, to just say, hey, this is what we're going to probably want to talk about tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And one of those things, dude, was Zach Hyman because another just – really nice goal and it's okay it's one thing when you're doing it once and then another time and then a third time and then a fourth time like scoring really pretty goals now is a thing Zach Hyman just does and he's probably I'll just say it he's he's got to be the Leafs hardest working player like and you can say that there are other guys who work as hard but there's nobody who works harder he's the dude who who people say we got Amber Alert again Okay, hold on. I knew that would happen. He's the guy that coaches say um, is the guy that you learn the Leaf system if you watch him. And and we're trying to put a like kind of feeler out there as to how much he's going to be and how. But let's just start with this. Where have you seen the biggest step up in his game? Well, I was going to ask you: Has he gotten faster? Like he looks way faster. And I like. I, I think he's always been like a powerful guy, but he just looks way faster to me and and you know to go back in time remember when he hurt his knee and was out for an extended period of time and then you know obviously came back and remember we like it was kind of crazy to say like is, like are they missing zach hyman is this important is he that important and like yeah i think he is i think he is that important guys i think um what he can do for your overall lineup is super important because he's one thing that i look at a lot of players and especially, you know, there's a top tier player. Uh, and then you can look at the guys that are complimentary guys or guys that are really good complimentary players. And I think, you know, a lot of people look at Zach Hyman as, as a guy that, um, you know, leads, you know, will is like a leader on this team, right. With the way he plays. And, and he's, he's a driver of the play. People would say that, but I also think like, you know, he can drive the play on the top line. He can do it on the third line. You can put him on the second line. He can kill penalties. He does, I mean, his attention to detail, um, his habits, his work ethic, all that stuff goes with it. But, like, he's a really good complimentary player. And look at the top, look at look the big boy line. Like, you've got Matthews, Marner, you know, Thornton. You're trying to find a guy. Like, he's that complimentary guy. Thornton is with those, you know, two young stars. And 
I think I think when people are looking at what Zach, Zach Hyman can bring your, to your team, I don't think you're going to necessarily go, oh, we're going to get this guy. He's going to, you know, he's going to lead our team in points. But he is going to be an important player elevating any line he's on and anybody that he's with, especially star players. Uh, and right now you see what he's been able to do just because of his intangibles and what he can, what, what his, what his body of work is to be a third line guy with other players that have given this lineup an incredible amount of balance all of a sudden. Right. So super important guy. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, what his contract's going to look like, how many years, especially like what, five, six years, probably. Yeah, well, and at least five million bucks, and it's going up and up and up. Oh yeah. If he keeps, if he keeps throwing together those end-to-end rushes like he had yesterday, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't know what you're supposed to do. I, I honestly, I, go ahead. I honestly think he got faster though. Like he he looks something. He's happened. always been powerful and like uh, to push through guys and like you know has that like un- unstoppable tenacity to his game it's like you know you have that family dog that you throw the tennis ball for and after 10 minutes you're like okay buddy like take a breather here you know (laughs) that's Zach Hyman like he's not never takes a breather and um you know you watch him play and he still has that power and speed but he's just like I think you know faster than I've seen him so a credit to him and and you know he's a handful he's a handful and when he's on the ice and when he's on the puck every time like just a super tenacious Good, solid player. Yeah, I don't know what he doesn't do anymore because it used to be, hey, he doesn't have hands. He's got stone hands. I remember doing shows, I think, two or three years ago where I was advocating for the Leafs not to play him up on the top line. Please don't play him with Matthews because he can't finish around the net. He's not good enough. He's not good enough to play, right? Yeah, that's what everyone was was saying. I know. But it was, it was hey, obviously this guy does a lot of things, but he's one of those guys who's getting the most out of his talent, right? I, he's a college hockey player, and I remember there was the stuff with, hey, his dad basically bought him an NHL career with, like, forcing him up and, and getting him onto good teams throughout his younger life and him kind of having this chip, and he worked hard, and he got to the NHL, but wow, what a story. What a story that the Leafs turned this guy that they got for, I think, Greg McKegg from the Florida Panthers uh, for, I think, a, yeah, that was it. I think that was it. They just get him. You turn him into a potentially a third liner. Now, you know, Bourne says, and it's the correct statement, which is you can put him anywhere, right? Like, he's the fixer yeah, for anything. Yeah. Like, you put him on the third line with McKayev and Engvall, all of a sudden it works. You put him on the first line, hey, they're better. When Tavares and Nylander weren't going very well, what did they do? They were like, you guys get Hyman. So, I, I just think there's, A, he does everything. B, now he can score. C, he's faster. He clearly puts the work in year over year. And he's also sort of a guy that you don't worry about paying. Uh, like I, I don't know what the I, I don't even know what the argument for not paying Zach Hyman would be. Like I, I genuinely don't know where it would begin. How many guys have signed contracts in the NHL that go, oh, what a great contract, and you know you look further down the contract and go, oh, that's going to be a bad contract later, right? Like how many guys do you do that? And how many guys do you look at and go, wow, he's a really good player, but you know what if the scoring dries up? What's he going to do for your team? You know what if it's what if it's not as good later on? When I look into like a Zach Hyman and you pay him like. If he's not scoring, like the great thing about him, or uh, he's not producing, the great thing about him is he can do so much other stuff. He can provide so much other balance to your team through your lineup on different lines. So I think, you know, the intangibles, um, you know, the complementary factor of his game to playing with good players as well when you need it, 
Um, I think most people would probably look at him and go, oh, he's, he'd be a, he's a good third-line guy. If you put him on a really good third line, like that's what he looks like. But I think you can't under, underestimate the fact that he can also uh, you know, play with, with really good players. And look, look at guys over the years who have been able to do that, like, you know, like guys that have you know, signed really good contracts that have been able to do that and still do it. I mean, um, you know, so he's, he's right in that mold. And, and, and you don't lose anything if you can't sit up there for, you know, four-month stretch. You know, or he has a one month and then it kind of fizzles out in production and he has to move down to the third line. He still gives you Zach Hyman stuff. It's like he, he, he hasn't wavered like at all with his work ethic or the style of play or his tenacity, exactly. um, no matter where you put him. And, you know, that's, I think that's, that's really valuable. I think, I think in Dude. today's game, I think, I think there's not a lot of guys that play like that. Uh, not a lot of guys that can play like that and produce like he can as well. And there's not a lot of guys that can play with good players. Yeah. You know, you put a lot of guys that play like him and put them with good players and they can't get it done. And, you know, we said that about him for a lot of years, but I mean, he's a guy that can get it done, man. And you know, what's never said about him he can play on either wing. Yeah. Which is huge. It doesn't matter where huge. you put him. No one ever brings that up. It's just the like, yeah, yeah, you throw him on the right side, doesn't matter. Throw him on the left side, like, doesn't matter. He's good. He's good either way. Zach Hyman's a robot. You just pee. And before right. every game, he puts, like, a chip in his back, and the chip just yeah. says, like, work hard. And then they plug it in, and he just goes. He just goes. <laughs> put him anywhere. He doesn't even, even look at the line. He doesn't look at the lineup board. What line am I on? It doesn't matter. Go. <laughs> well, and, he, and he can play through injury, and not that Austin Matthews can't. And he had two goals with like a, a yeah. still a messed up wrist. But it's like Zach Hyman's game. If he does suffer the injury to the foot, or what, play an entire playoff series with like a messed up knee. He he, like you said, if he's not scoring, if he's not looking like the guy who's now an offensive threat, the other things that he can do, even suffering through injury, or you look down the line, yeah, losing some of that touch that he appears to have, going into plus thirty seasons, there's there's just not enough positive things you can say. He can't play goalie, I guess, would be the one drawback. We don't well, know. The thing is, Maybe I've seen I've seen lots of guys that can go up there and play you know, top lines and, and fit in. And usually it kind of fizzles out, right? Like there's like a little shelf life there. Then you, have, you can move them around and then plug them back up there again a little bit later. And that might be the case with Zach. That might be the case a little bit, but there's no denying that he can't do it. There's no denying that he can't do it. And if he's not doing it, where you can put him and how, how much better it still makes your team through the depths of your lineup on either wing with anybody. So um, I think just a super valuable, important player to, you know, I don't know how many teams around the league would look at it and go, man, I wish we had that guy. But I'd, I'd venture to guess a lot of teams, a lot of teams. Yeah, and that's why, dude, the thing that scares me, if I'm a Leafs fan, is everybody, like, no one has earned free agency. Like, everybody has, but Zach Hyman's earned free agency, right? Like, if he wants to explore his options and if he wants to get paid, paid, it's like, yeah, man, you worked your ass off to get paid. Whoever hates on guys like that, where it's like you're the guy who put the extra hours in and you got <laughs> yeah. the most out of it. It's like no one's jealous of you. Like, go out and get your thing. If I'm him and I would walk into Kyle Dubas's office and like, okay, I'd say, hey, Kyle, who took less? And he's like, oh, Thornton. He's like, cool. How much did that guy make already? All right, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Uh, he's like, who else took less? He's like, well, Spats, uh, he's like, yeah, he's 37. Uh, how much did he get paid? Okay, cool. Uh, who took less? And he goes, well, uh, nobody. 
Uh, Nobody. And, yeah. then, and then he's like, cool, why me? And he's like, well, uh, I don't know, because you're the good guy. He's like, uh, no thanks. He's like, how much does Alex Kerfoot make? And he's like, uh, three and a half million. He's like, how many Alex oh, Kerfoots do you need before you get w- equal to my value, would you say? He's like, oh, I would say lots. I'd say lots of Alex Kerfoots would equal a Zach Hyman. Yeah, if, if you don't think he's <laughs> – dude, if he's not twice as valuable as Alex Kerfoot, like what's – I don't think you're watching the same sport as me or this is your first time watching it or I don't know what the deal is. But like, yeah, man, he's worth twice as much as that guy. And so for those scoring at home, I'm no math genius. I'm not a mathlete like Ben Ennis was in grade six and then can't do simple math, but that's fine. Uh, here it is. Um, a seven million bucks. Uh, I don't know why everyone keeps starting with Zach Hyman at five mil, Zach Hyman at five. I don't know where people are getting the number. It makes sense. But if I'm Zach Hyman, I don't know why I would just willingly accept that from the Leafs. I'm like, dude, how many guys in the league can do what I do? Everybody yeah. wants to have the guy who can score, who plays hard every night, and who forechecks, and who can play on the penalty kill, like who is the hockey robot that you just said. What coach wouldn't you know, well, die to have Zach Hyman on his team? Who's not going and, and, into the meeting with the GM, and they're like, hey, who do you want this offseason, uh, coach? And the coach is like, uh, Zach Hyman. I would really like Zach Hyman. Go get Zach Hyman. It's going to make my life so much easier knowing that this guy is going to go do that perfectly every night. Like, I don't know. I think that if they can get him to something that starts with a five, that you do it today. Like, you start the negotiation right now so that he doesn't finish the season and go, mm, you know what, I'm not going to be the only guy who takes less. This makes no <laughs> sense. I'm a, I'm a commodity too, man. Like, this is a business. And, uh, yeah, I was actually raised with money, and uh, rich people aren't dumb usually with the cash. So, Zach Hyman, get, get yours, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, nobody else took less. So is Good Show advocating now for Zach Hyman six years, seven mil? No. Is this the big like, push coming out of the Good Show? Here's the thing. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying I don't know why he wouldn't go and see what his dollar value is. Like, I don't know yeah. why we're just saying, like, hey, he's a $5.5 million player. I'm like, why is he only worth $2 million more million than Alex Kerfoot? Like, how does that Especially make sense? Especially the fact. When you know that they're gonna like, there's gonna be a push for him to like take less, you know? They're like, come on, That's buddy, take a little, uh, you know? Yeah, that would piss me I, off. I see it. Like, I just think of like how like comforting, like a comfort blanket a player like Zach Hyman is to a coaching staff where you run into injuries or you run into other players, like, you know, in a dry spell or a line's not really clicking. And like, <clears throat> you can just like take the Zach Hyman name magnet and just throw it at the board and it sticks to wherever. And you're like, he's playing there. And it works. And he can. And he can just kind of slide around wherever you need him. And it works. And, um, you know, I think that's why you look at your lineup and look where a guy can fit and look at, at how it works and go, this guy brings us just so much. He brings us so many options. He brings us so many intangibles. Um, and, you know, the fact that I think also that just that he can play you know, with good players as well is, is massive too, because the Leafs have a, a lot of really good forwards and, you know, you have a guy like with his work ethic and his style of play that can, you know, complement those guys, I think is huge, huge. Yeah. Here's the thing. If he's making 7 million bucks a year, he's not playing on the third. Line anymore. <laughs> no, like those days yeah, are no. done. It's like, yeah, man, yeah. you can play anywhere. Uh, I by which I mean, you'll be playing on the first line forever and ever and ever because you're making way too much money to play on the third line. Yeah, he'll be in the fives, I think. Hmm. 
Someone just uh, Lance just told me somebody called in. I know I want to know what he wants. What do you want? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop the clock. Guess who scored their seventh goal of the season <laughs> last night for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, I knew this, you would do this. this, this leading, yeah. leading the Pittsburgh Penguins and even strength points. And we all were talking about it yesterday, Colby, about yeah, some team yeah. in the North Division needing depth scoring, a guy that can skate and play up and down your lineup. Casper Captain, how do you like that? <laughs> what an ambush out of Stewie. This is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love right. it. I'll just do this. Uh, Colby, how good has he been this year? Because, yeah, my big contention was let's believe it when we see it. And I thought, okay, he'd put up points. But, yeah, Stewie texted me yesterday or tweeted, actually. He didn't text me. He showed me no respect. He just posted it on Twitter for me to get feasted on because he loves throwing bo- he loves throwing boys under the bus. That's like, honestly, Anthony, uh, his nickname, Anthony throws guys under the bus, Stewart. Um, how good has Kaplan been this year? Because, like, nobody knows up here because it's the North Division, but I feel like, yeah, yeah this is kind of building now that Stewie is, again, making it a thing. Well, I'll say this. It hasn't been easy from the start for for uh, Kapanen. Like, he had to sit out a little bit at the start of the season with immigration stuff and then quarantining issues, and uh, then they tried to work him back in the lineup with, I think, expectations that he'd play with Crosby on the top line, and I mean, he got there for like a cup of coffee and that was it. And, you know, with Gino's game kind of struggling, it was kind of tough on the second line for like a fit for guys. So uh, I wouldn't say it's been smooth or easy for him. He did get benched a little bit, like probably six, seven games ago. And since then, his play has been awesome. And now Malkin's game and him together on the second line is really starting to form something. I don't know if you saw a goal that they scored last night against the Rangers. It was complete puck domination, but his speed, I think his physicality as well is huge here. Like he's kind of like, I guess I would say a a little bit of like a Zach Hyman type of player, what he could be here with his physicality, tenacity, his speed, uh, the way he hangs on the pucks, the way he can pull up entering the zone and find guys, uh, the way he possesses the puck. Um, So he's, he's really starting to turn it on lately and him and Malkin have found something and he's turning into something else right now for the Penguins. And what's his cap hit again, by the way? What's his cap hit? <laughs> <laughs> just ask him. It's just pretty ask good. People. Uh, okay. Hey, listen, it's like I good, said, and... Le- Leafs win a cup this year. No one's gonna, All I'm going to say is that they needed to take Kasperi Kaepernick off the roster. That was the biggest move that they made was just getting rid of him. You know, you that'll, that'll be my take. <laughs> just need a cup. Well, I know, cup. I know when the Pens got him, got him here, like got him back, right? Because they drafted him, traded him, got him back. Um, just how, like, you know, the excitement around what he's going to bring to their lineup, just um, in a lot of different aspects, I think, right? Like he can kill penalties as well. Um, and, and what he's been able to do here, just how, how he's gotten better over the last few weeks has been just huge payback for the Penguins right now with, with the play that he has and just the depth that he provides also through this, through this lineup. So yeah, Stewie, I think you, I think your ambush is, uh, Mm-hmm. is right on uh, right on target. It's right on target, absolutely. Do I get to ambush you on TV when he goes through That's a right. drought or on Hockey Central? Like, is this jump the way that this works? Do I get to jump Come on? In, yeah. yeah. Log in to 3A and you'll be ready to go. Yeah, and I can't mean, wait. Stewie would get, JD would jump on, like, just like, you know, he'd have, like, a T-shirt and a hoodie on and his, and it, <laughs> laying on his couch. We're like, what yes. is this? Tuck a suit on, bud. 
<laughs> hey, my suit is just putting on a shirt. Like, that's my yeah. version of a suit. You got the track suit yeah. on. Yeah, that's right. I do. All right. Yeah. We're taking the I show love- back. Uh, thanks for doing this, boys, to both of you. Good stuff today. Uh, yeah, Stewie, fine. You might be right. You might be right. You might be right. Not yet, but maybe. Thanks for having me, guys. Be. Goalie yes. skull. Goalie skull. See you guys. <laughs> See you, Stewie. See ya. Goldie. Yeah, this show is now a call-in show, uh, mm-hmm. I guess. First time we've ever taken calls, but uh, mm-hmm. apparently the phone lines were open.